Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calsa, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, Noel, are we still we're still alive, still functioning? Still kind of. Kind mostly of. a democracy? Oh, you meant on a national level. I thought you meant like on a personal level. On a well, national level, no. I, I, I have no idea, quite, to be quite honest with you. Um, we could just be falling apart. Yay! It's been a fun week for that. Um, listeners, I'm also fighting off quite a cold. It's been just, I've just been like passed out or hopped up on cold meds like all week um so it's been fun to like just sit here feeling like crap in, in bed and w- waiting for the the newest constitutional crisis to come across so i haven't watched handmaid's tale yet this week because i just i just didn't i didn't have it in me no i couldn't do it no that makes sense i had quite a i had um quite a few folks who were just like i'm not emotionally prepared to watch this right now <laughs> And I was just like, that is the correct response. Having watched the episode, that is the correct response to have right now. Well, I was uh, earlier in the week, but I, I didn't even uh, work. I didn't teach the first two days of the week. And uh, and so I was just like, just kept taking night doses of Theraflu. Like mm-hmm. whenever I would like, like wake up and start coughing enough that I that I needed some as I was not going for the daytime. I was like, no, let's just knock me out again. I'll sleep another however many hours. So, so I was not mentally there for much TV for the first part of the week. I, I caught up on Arrow because that was about the like the level of intellectual capacity I had in me um, at that at that time. But but no, certainly uh, I'm behind on a lot of the prestige TV. Meh, um, you're fine. It's yeah, do okay. We, do we want to talk about that prestige TV article that went around this week? Uh, well, the one from whatchamacallit, Uh, where was it from? The stupid one. That I don't right, want to I'm, give a plug to. Right. Uh, no, it was aggressively bad. Um, it was written by someone who a clearly doesn't watch television, mm-hmm. and b who clearly has a very limited sense of how the discourse around TV, at least within the discourse that he's critiquing, uh, he actually hasn't read a whole lot. Um, in part because I just kept thinking, well, you know, Mo Ryan has said, and then I just imagine the writer yelling at me. He, she doesn't fit my narrative. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. No, the um, I, I was enjoying the various reactions I was seeing on, on Twitter. Uh, was it Who was it that, that excerpted out uh, as as people say or something like that? Uh, by all accounts, this is what prestige TV means. It's like, oh, oh, guys. Oh. Yeah. 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 Reading it, I was very much like citation needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I just. Again, the the discussions that have been like the article was very stupid, but the discussions that it prompted, I thought were were much more interesting about what is prestige TV, what is getting talked about, what is getting covered, what has the nichification of television and the glut of television, and meaning even full time TV critics don't have time to to watch everything. Um, what does that meant for our discourse? It, it was it was an, actually an interesting conversation. All things said. Right, and for like a lot of folks who rely on clicks and everything, it means that they have to cover Westworld, but they can't cover um, the Americans. Mm-hmm. For instance, is something I think Todd over at Vox mentioned when he was responding to both to this really dumb article and then a slightly more nuanced take from Eric Thurm over in I want to say it was in Vanity Fair, um, 
about prestige television and what that means. Um, oh, yeah, I also thought that one was stupid, but not a, anywhere near as stupid. I was like, oh, I disagree with this strongly. I feel like this is a foolhardy take. And then I saw the other one, and I was like, oh, yeah. never mind. What was I saying? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Thoughtful no. piece. No, no, no. Eric's, Eric's take is significantly better than yeah. that other one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just bad, but, I mean, they're forced to do, like, discourse and main maintain clicks and that kind of thing whereas we can just you know talk about samurai jack for an hour and you don't care the joys the joys of the illustrious and oh so lucrative world of podcasting no right i mean we don't have me undies sponsors to keep happy <laughs> that's um, very true uh blue apron right yeah well i mean i i can't do blue apron because they give me too much food <laughs> and i live alone um and it's just so much food <laughs> Nature Box and uh, um, uh, what's the mattress? Casper mattress. Casper, yeah, and yeah. Um, all those there's, different. Brands. There's Movement, which is a really mm-hmm. good watch company, apparently, and I'm still not paying two hundred dollars for a watch. Everyone, yeah, I always think that's hilarious. So for the low price of fill in the blank, like for the price of only a handful of cocktails, I'm like, how much are you paying for cocktails? A, because uh, I'm not paying that, and then B, why this is. Like, this is unrelated. This is, like, or, like, for the cost of, like, two juices. I'm like, I'm, you guys pay too much for juice. Yeah. Though <laughs> so I do I like Nature Box, though. When I had yeah. a subscription, their, their snacks were very good, but I had to stop because I kept eating them. <laughs> that is the problem. <laughs> that is the, the downside there. Um, well, what is going on in the land of TV news this week, Noel? Well, MeUndies has taken over everything. No, no. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's, uh, we're gearing up for upfront season which means the networks and a couple of the cable uh, outlets have been like, it's a fire sale <laughs> of we're selling off everything, we're canceling everything, we're renewing everything. Um, and those two things depend on which network you're talking about. Um, so if you want, I can give you a quick rundown of the broadcast networks and what's been picked up and what's been canceled. Well, so I feel far. like I need to start with the mea culpa. Because yeah. I almost limitless us again. Oh God, is limitless coming back in the summer, Kate? Is that no. what's happening? Because no, have you, you been seeing ha- all this discussion about the fact that American Gods just got renewed for season two? No, I haven't. I have. I, I didn't have time to look at Twitter at all today. I was really busy with work. Yeah. So like in the last so. few days, whatever. They're like, oh yeah, it got season two. I swear, I swear, <laughs> I was listening to several different podcasts and reading reviews and things like that before the season started about how it had already before season one even aired been renewed for season two. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this other people like just figured that out this week or if I somehow screwed up again and it wasn't actually renewed for season two yet. But like, I swear I heard from a good source, like a reliable, like not, not, face, not less but, moon face. Well, yeah, with his tricksy <laughs> wording. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I didn't limitless us again because uh, any newer listeners last year, I believe I, I, I was telling reassuring Noel that limitless had already been renewed when it, in fact, ended up canceled. Um, that's what that means. Uh, so so that didn't happen because American Gods this week, at least everybody was talking about it this week with the other renewals. That is definitely coming back, coming back for season two. Um, but what, what's happening in broadcast land? Anything that we are, let's start with the, the bad news and then go to the good news. Sure. So, 
over at ABC, um, American Crime got canceled, which isn't a surprise because no. no one was watching it. No one was um, watching it. And no. I think we would both agree a little bit of a downturn this, this season because of probably actor availability. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment for that this season. Um, but the catch got canceled, which um, I'm sure was sad for a lot of folks. If you were still watching the creepiness of Mirella Enos um, smiling all the time. So weird. Uh, Conviction got canceled pretty early on, I feel like. But, yeah, like almost um, immediately. Yeah. Almost immediately, which was great because it means Haley Atwell is freed from that uh, shit show. Um, Imaginary Mary got canceled. Uh, Mistresses got canceled, which is sad for their summer programming. I know a lot of people like I knew of a lot of people who actually enjoyed Mistresses. Um, Notorious got canceled. The Real O'Neills got canceled. Secret and Lies got canceled. Uncle Buck, which I'm sure everyone remembers, <laughs> got canceled. Um, but larger things that got canceled were um, from ABC. Um, time, time After Time got canceled. So time travel shows back on the downslide. <laughs> um, and Last Man Standing, uh, very dependable, their third highest ranked program. Uh, got canceled um, due to waning late ratings, but also probably because it was about to enter season seven, which meant contract renegotiations were going to happen. And I can only imagine how expensive that was going to be. And also ABC doesn't own it. Yeah. So, confluence of events probably led to that show getting canceled. Um, well, well yeah. the, the upside upshot of that is what is the name of the actress over there that we really love who's unjustified? Right. Uh, she played Loretta. Um, yeah. I actually looked her up, and now I don't remember her name. Yeah, it's driving me nuts. Um, but she's back a free agent again, so hopefully she'll be popping up um, on some other quality shows. Yeah, yeah. She's um, freed now, so that'll be good. Um, did I skip one? Did I skip Dr. Ken and Real O'Neill's, maybe? maybe no, you, I did. Did. you did not yeah. skip Real O'Neill's, but what yeah. happened with the Dr. Ken? Yeah, no, it got canceled as well. So oh, ABC okay. must just be retooling its Friday um, family slots, um, I guess. But we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but renewed over at ABC includes American Housewife, um, The Bachelor. Blackish got renewed, um, though I feel like that was a renewal that was going to happen uh, before it was announced because the announcer at the end of the finale went, It'll be back next season with new episodes. And I just went, well, guys, you kind of took mm. your hand there. Uh, but Dancing with the Stars will be back. No surprise. Des designated Survivor will be back. Um, fresh off the boat. The Goldbergs got a two-season pickup. Um, Grey's Anatomy's back. How, how to Get Away with Murder is back. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back. Middle is back. Modern Family is back with another two-season renewal. Yay. Uh, Once Upon a Time is back, though, without some of its significant cast members. Without, like, most of its cast members. Right. No, Jennifer Goodwin announced that she wasn't coming back. Um, Jennifer Morris uh, said that she wasn't coming back. So they're struggling um, a little bit over there cast-wise. Uh, Scandal will be back for what reportedly will be its last season. Um, Shark Tank will be back, surprising no one. And Speechless is also going to be back, which is very exciting for us, is that was probably like the breakout comedy, new comedy, I think, for both of us this year. Yeah, that wasn't uh, The Good Place. Yeah, no, it was, the, it was the one that it was taking, like, we'd heard a bunch of other ones, and, yeah. and we hadn't heard about that one yet, and I was like, what, what this one, is, is this is your sure thing, Renewal, come on, come on, ABC. So I was, I was very gratified when that got renewed today. Yeah, it and Fresh Off the Boat both got renewed at the same time, so I was happy about that. But I was upset that neither it nor Blackish ABC just went, yeah, you know, two season renewals all over, all the way around. But no, just Goldberg's and Modern Family. What about uh, NBC? 
Right. So good news making me scroll, Kate. <laughs> um, so uh, bad news over for um, NBC is uh, shorter, thankfully. Um, Blacklist Redemption <laughs> is not coming back. I'm, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you're disappointed, Kate. Um, Grim is not coming back, but we all knew that. Um, uh, Powerless won't be back, which isn't a surprise because um, I think they yanked it from the schedule. As if I recall correctly, um, Emerald City won't be back, which is their um, Wizard of Oz themed yeah. show um, that I never got around to watching. Um, Timeless won't be back, um, and they were like considering shopping it around, but I don't think anyone's going to pick it up. Yeah, and, there was some sh- sadness about that on Twitter. Yeah, um, which I, I felt like a, just a really kind of dependable show, but I think j- just the cost of needing to do sets and period costumes mm-hmm. probably didn't help. Um, and then, but uh, coming back will be the Blacklist Surprise, Blind Spot Surprise. Um, <laughs> Good Place is coming back, but we knew that already. Um, Carmichael Show is, I don't know if that counts as, I don't know if it's been like technically renewed or if they're just like, it's still coming back this summer. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and Chicago PD are all coming back. Uh, no word yet on Chicago Justice. Uh, Great News will be, has already been renewed. And The Night Shift, uh, Shades of Blue, uh, Superstore, which we already knew, The Voice, no surprise. I think Kelly Clarkson's actually coming back as coming on as a judge in the next iteration. And Taken has been renewed. Um, okay. <laughs> how that's... How is The Night Shift on, like, season three or four or whatever? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, this will be season three of Shades of Blue, and I feel like no one's watching that. It's just existing through Jennifer uh, Lopez's sheer force of will. Yeah, yeah. the night shift exists purely in key art. I think we all know this. So. <laughs> Doctor Motorcycle, obviously. Um, so over at uh, Fox, um, canceled was APB, which I never made time for. Or wait, did that is that the one I never made time? No, that is the no, one you I watched, watched the first it. couple of them. I watched the first one of it. I was getting it confused with Shots Fired, which mm-hmm. there's no word on Shots Fired. But no, APB got uh, canceled. Though there's a um, CBS show that is basically exactly the same. That's uh, with Jeremy Piven. <laughs> oh yay! Uh, Bones got canceled, but we already knew that was happening. Uh, Pitch got canceled a while ago. Uh, Making History, which was their um, time travel comedy, again time travel shows just dying left and right, got canceled. Rosewood got canceled. Um, Son of Zorn got canceled. No surprise. And Sleepy Hollow got canceled, to which everyone went. Oh, right. Sleepy Hollow was still on, even though you got rid of Nicole Bahari. Yeah. Yeah. You got rid of all the cool people. You got rid of everything we liked about that show. Right. Because they did get rid of Nickelback Crane, but they got rid of the dynamic. Right. Abby Mills and Nickelback Crane, which is what we liked. Exactly. So it was just like, well, okay, fine. Do that, guys. Uh, But renewed. Uh, Bob's Burgers, no surprise. Brooklyn Nine-Nine got renewed today um, in a, like, sigh of relief. Yes, because I was really worried a little bit. Um, uh, Empire got renewed. Family Guy, Gotham, uh, Last Man on Earth, Lethal Weapon will be back. So will Lucifer, which ended up, I think, being kind of a really steady performer for them. Uh, The Mick got renewed. The Simpsons, no surprise. So you think you can dance and Star um, all got renewed as well. Okay, the surprise for me there is Star because I don't see people talking about it. But, you know, I'm sure if they're getting any money from the music, too, that can't hurt. Right, and I imagine that's probably helping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that, that that's taken care of. Um, over at CBS, uh, things were um, a bit more in terms of stuff that got canceled. 
Um, uh, was doubt. There you go. Doubt's the only thing they've made a decision on. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of their uh, stuff is they're still waiting on, but this, I feel like, is pretty common for CBS to wait on stuff. So, but they've renewed some stuff already. Um, so that's like the Big Bang Theory, which isn't a surprise. I think they got a two season pickup. Yeah. Um, when they renegotiated contracts, uh, Big Brother will be back. Uh, Blue, Bu- Blue Bloods will be back. Um, so will um that entire Friday night slot. So Hawaii Five O and MacGyver are both back as well. Bull is back. Like okay, which I don't understand. Both Bull and MacGyver yeah. are back. Nick, that is wrong. I mean, like, yay for everybody, the hundreds of people who are employed by those shows. That's right. great. That's wonderful. However, those are terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so those are back. Criminal Minds is back. Uh, surprising exactly no one. Uh, Kevin Can Wait is back. Uh, so is Life in Pieces. Uh, Madam Secretary and Man with a Plan will both be back. Uh, followed by Mom, and then NCIS, NCIS LA, NCIS New Orleans, all back. <laughs> um, Scorpion is back. Uh, Superior Donuts will be back. And Survivor is back as well. Um, Elementary is not in that list, but um, it feels really likely that it'll be renewed. Um, but everything else is kind of bubbling around, or no one's really quite sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, um, well then, we can update when we get final word. I'm sure as we get you know, into and through upfront. So there'll be more news on that front, but thank you for running all that down. Right. And yeah. So, and CW did all their like renewals and cancellations a while ago, at least their renewals a while back. Um, <gasps> no, tomorrow's not coming back. I'm, I am astonished. I'm right. shocked. Right. So we all knew like vampire diaries and rain were kaput after this season, uh, but frequency and no tomorrow both got canned, but then literally everything else on their schedule that um, is scripted was renewed like ages ago. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, there you go. Here we go. Well, uh, I mean, that's a good sense of what TV we're going to have next year, but let's, let's uh, get to our TV for this week. Shall we Noel? We shall. At the end of the episode, we're going to be talking about this season of Underground, because, well, of course, another show that has been canceled is Underground, uh, because of there was a takeover, and so WGN is owned by a new company, which is just getting out of the scripted game entirely, so bye-bye, Underground. Go, Most hopefully, likely, yeah. You, hopefully you'll find another home. Oprah Winfrey, come on! You know you want another show for own... I, I, I don't think that this is an own show. That would be endlessly fascinating, though, if it ended up on own. Wouldn't it but. be, though? It would not match with their other ones, but it would be really cool. Yeah, it would be very cool. Um, I can't imagine the budget cut that would happen. <laughs> but all those music rights would go away. <laughs> they, that, is, that, is, that is true. But they do have shows that look very, very pretty and have excellent music over at own, at least between Greenleaf and, uh, and Queen Sugar. That's that's super true. So who knows? Maybe they could. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. Is what I'm saying. No, I'm just spitballing. Keeping hope alive. Uh, no, I think that's good. And Sony's Sony, Sony. I underground Sony, right? I I don't remember. I feel like that is. And Sony's always really aggressive about shopping shows around. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If nothing else, I expect some attention or reward season for. Aisha Hines, who plays, of course, Harriet Tubman and had that just Emmy bait minty episode that was so amazing. So if right. nothing else, I expect to see some underground love then. 
Um, but there will also be some underground love here at the end of the episode as we're talking about this the finale this week and, and season two as a whole. Uh, but for now, let's take a break and we'll come back with our week in comedy. I took a couple of flicks since she was a Suze. I said, how do you like the show? She said I was very amused. I started throwing bits. She started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Then when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come on. I'm not even going for it. Here's what I'm going to say. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. This week in comedy, we're going to talk a little bit about the Superstar finale from last week, Tornado, the Blackish finale from this week, Sprinkles, then we'll talk Speechless, M.A. Mayjay. Uh, just a quick try over to Angie Tribeca with This Sounds Unbelievable, but CSI Miami did it. Mostly, I just want to talk about how amazing that title is. Um, and we'll round things out with a little catch up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, including this week's episodes, CopCon and Chasing Amy. Uh, first up is the Superstar finale, Tornado, which went there. It did. And I, how did you feel about that? Oh. Well, I, I feel really good that Sandra finally... No, you're not talking about Sandra, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and Sandra, they went there last week in a right, delightful, but, um, delightful experience. But Sandra also just slowly closed the door on What's-Her-Name, and it was, it was everything. It was amazing. <laughs> no, you're talking about with Jonah and Amy, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how I feel about it. Like... I mean, I like that the show kind of reaffirmed by giving a disaster to, like, kind of maybe possibly let her give her marriage another try type of thing. If we survived, we can survive this. We can survive what's going on right now between us type of thing. Um, But it's not going to happen. I mean, (laughs) we're going to explore that kind of romantic dynamic, I'm sure, uh, when the show comes back. But... I will say that in very like standard sitcom sort of thing of having a disaster drive the will they won't they together. Um, it, it worked out. Okay. I think is like structurally and both actors were, were really keyed into it really well. Uh, so while I'm personally kind of like, I liked it that they weren't together and there was just a weird tension, but nothing that was ever acted on because coworkers and whatever. And also she was married and so I always really like that dynamic within the show, but now I'm sort of like, well, I guess if you want the two leads to be together, we can do that. But I, I kind of like that they're not together still. So yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of on the fence about it. How are you feeling about it? Oh, you're so much kinder than I am. <laughs> like the the actors did a good job with what they were given, mm-hmm. but uh, especially the previous episode with Cheyenne's wedding. Um, yeah. I thought that was really unfortunately written and not like just so ham-fisted. I just, the show works better without that element, regardless, you know, the chemistry that the two actors have, regardless of, you know, the, the instinct towards will they want the couples in these types of workplace shows. It, the show is better without that. 
and it's more interesting without that. This is more expected, and it feels um, obligatory. Uh, they already have really terrific dynamics that they're exploring elsewhere on the show, so just keep those, and you don't need to just... I don't know. I just think Jonah's a much more interesting character when he's not defined by having a crush on on Amy, and Amy's more interesting when she's not, you know... I think I think her as a character, when we see her being more interested in and or jealous about Jonah, it doesn't really feel organic to her personality and what we've seen so far. So they have some work to do on that front if they want to really explore this and do it in an interesting way. But more than that, it's just... I've seen that show. I watched that show for 10 seasons or 12 seasons, whatever it was over on The Office. I don't need this to be that show. No, and that, I, I I think that's fair. Um, I don't totally agree insofar as I... I do agree that, like, I don't think that the show needs to do this, but I, they've also just been gearing up to do it, that I, they either needed to actually push this forward or really just end it like very cleanly. So I think that they, yes, just, the second one, they should have done the second they one and not reintroduced it in such a big way this season. Right. So that is where their decision, I think probably lied is that they decided to do it like this. And mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate the fact that they made a decision as opposed to playing it out. Um, but I also do f- I, while I'm on the fence, I'd rather they like explore it and then realize it's a terrible idea. Um, and then just kind of go, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to back away from this and we'll be okay. Um, because I, I, I really think exploring like the will they won't they of Garrett and Dina is a much more interesting concept. Yeah. <laughs> and of course the stuff with Mateo and Jeff, right. That they, they reintroduced in a big way in the last two episodes. I, I, the, the, that, scene we get with them in the previous episode was terrific and jeff is yelling at him but like with quietly with the, he's a baby yep. yes <laughs> was delightful um and then having mateo call him you know in the midst of the tornado and everything and reopen that theoretically to explore more next year and also that theoretically propels his his if they're going to do a storyline with him around his citizenship or attempting to get a green card and that kind of thing um that gives them you know, more impetus to push that forward as well and come back to that topic, which, as everyone knows, who's been listening for a while, I think that's an interesting topic to explore. So, um, you know, I, I'm much more interested in those two dynamics. And, and and the tension we got here with Garrett and Dina, I thought, was also uh, one of the stronger parts of the episode. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't uh, elaborate or... I don't think I have anything to elaborate on with that point. Um, though I, I do worry about the guy who probably got sucked away by the tornado. <laughs> Brett. Oh, Brett. Yeah, no, I'm worried about Brett. I hope he's okay. Yeah. I hope that little baby pig's okay. Oh, right. The little baby pig. That was very cute. Um, let's move on to the blackish finale. Also very cute. The, the, the baby, baby Devante on blackish. Yes. Uh, I thought this was a terrific way to go. Having a surprise, you know, preemie you know, cesarean mm-hmm. as opposed to doing the shower and everything like like that. Um, I should have expected that that's what was going to happen because it was the finale. And I, I didn't, <laughs> literally enough. 
Yeah, and but also like uh, Devante has uh, Charlie's mother's soul. Yeah, oh, I and... love, I love then that that he's he's gonna have the 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 child is who is the Antichrist to him, and then his mother. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, it's gonna be great, and also um, Davy Diggs' character is totally on board with this idea. Oh yeah, and it's it's amazing. No, this episode was really good because it made me laugh a good bit as folks were trying to figure out. Uh, well, like watching Ruby and uh, Pops navigate having to manage the kids was really good, I thought. And also, but so it was really funny. But and then all the stuff with Charlie was also really, really funny. But then the whole preeclampsia thing and the everyone's response to that and uh, particularly like a lot of what Anthony Anderson is given to do, but also little moments like Ruby referring to Bo as her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all like really good heart tugging kind of sentimental but really well executed sentimental stuff um that really kept the episode really well balanced and i just really appreciated it for that and so like the whole delivering of the gifts including like the blanket that's the perfect size and everything is just and reaffirming that zoe's great at everything which (laughs) i feel like is a new idea kind of sort of but also not really but i i we've also seen like the backdoor pilot which is maybe going to be at free form now we should mention um which will be Mm -hmm. weird but yeah so no it was a really really good finale and uh I'm really excited to see what they do going forward. If there's like a little bit of time skip or if we're going to kind of pick right up immediately um, and explore what that, how they navigate having Devante be premature and what that means for the family and everything, which will be up to the new showrunner since they're getting a new showrunner next season. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to see um, if or how that uh, uh, the show adjusts to that. Yeah, um, that should be very interesting. Did you miss not having the flashback episode this season? Uh, no, not particularly. Um, when you said it, I immediately went, "What flashback episode?" I don't remember there being a flashback episode this season. Did I? Did I miss something? No. So no, I obviously did not miss the flashback episode. Did <laughs> you? <laughs> no, but it just occurred to me that we were talking about the finale, and then the previous years they had had the good times episode and. And those different, you know, like sort of reimagining older series um, so that it was I think I think it was a smart choice to break that, you know, to not establish that so firmly as something that they felt like they needed to do every single year because they would run out of things that matched with the conversations they wanted to have, um, or at least it seems like they likely would. So um, I think it was a smart move to go and to focus more on, on Bo and the baby in the last, you know, s- string of episodes here. Uh, yeah, it was a fun episode. They set up a lot of nice uh, stuff for um, lots of potential for next season. Uh, little uh, recurring things like Holiday Hannah being, you know, the anesthetician for for Bo and de- her Bo demanding the good drugs, the celebrity level narcotics, <laughs> the J Law drugs. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> and and yeah, and something like the moment you mentioned of of Ruby calling Bo her daughter, and then. Bo immediately, like, the, the reaction from Tracy Ellis Ross was beautifully, like, underplayed yeah. and really nice, really touching. And then, of course, she has to say something and Ruby destroys it. Um, but it was it was it was it was a really lovely little moment. I'm glad they found the space for, for that kind of a thing. 
I was too, um, since a lot of the season had been driven by conflicts between the two of them. I felt like a lot of the season had been driven by conflicts between the two of them. Um, especially after the pregnancy, like started to really become apparent, um, physically. Uh, but it was nice to have that play, play out. And yeah, like you, I was glad that they made just a little bit of space for it. Yeah. Well, let's move on to Speechless. Uh, we had May J this week and, uh, JJ wants to go to camp. There's, uh, you know, he's, there's a lot of contention with, with over whether he can button his own shirts, um, and how independent he can be, which is a good conversation to, you know, continue to have after the, the two-parter we had. Um, so, so, uh, what did you, what did you think about this episode and, you know, our, our discovery that, that the DeMeos are celebrities at the hospital? I loved that. Um, no, I, I really enjoyed that long, then cut, then another quite, uh, little long take of, uh, Jimmy going through the hospital, greeting everyone, and realizing he has pull at the hospital. And I, I just thought, I thought that was really great because you, when, I have to imagine that that's exactly how that works in a lot of, ca- in cases like, um, with parents that have kids like JJ. Or other kids that are just uh, other families that are at the hospital a lot. That this mm-hmm. just becomes like being a regular at a restaurant. And I liked how that was played off against his like outing with um, Paul F. Tompkins' character. And the actual at the restaurant, which was then nicely summed up with the tag of like getting steaks that were intended for women who had just given birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved how into it Paul F. Tompkins' right. character was. That, yeah. that made it. Right, it did. He wasn't, like, disturbed by it. He was just like, this is going to be the best steak ever, and there's a show. <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed Kenneth's, like, overreaction to everything, which is just, like, routine for the DeMeos, uh, which I felt was really appropriate, even though I felt like we had also decided that Kenneth was going to stay, so this whole, well, he's not going to be available for you during the summer, I just kind of went... But you guys just did a whole bachelor ceremony with fireworks with them <laughs> last week. I felt like that would have papered over that issue, but I guess not. But I, no one believes that that's not the case. So they'll find a way. Um, and But then I also just enjoyed the realization that um, Ray is the athlete. He's the sports guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the fastest. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then Dylan's uh, failed attempts to be smart and hating every second of it uh no so it was a really good episode i thought um and i've covered all the bases and taken it from you how did you feel about the episode no i thought it was nice uh the the difference in reaction from the family and um kenneth you know who's their old hat at this and kenneth is really not um to to jj being in the hospital where it works really well it's nice to see jimmy get a friend and hopefully yes. that's that'll be a recurring thing um, but, I mean, again, this continues to be a really strong freshman season, and while this one didn't have too many laugh-out-loud, really hilarious moments, I thought the whole thing came together really nicely. The subplot uh, with, with Dylan and Ray was was one of the stronger ones, I think, that we've had recently, and it felt connected into everything else in a nice, tidy way. Um, and it was substantive enough. It was silly enough and substantive enough that it, that it really worked. I like that... She can be the smart one. It just takes a lot of energy. She really would rather not. Right. <laughs> um, so, but for spite, she will, uh, which was nice. Uh, but no, I thought it came together nicely, and I look forward to, you know, what the, I think next week is the finale, yes? 
Uh, pretty sure. I think all the I think all the other ABC comedies end next week. Um, Got to make room for um, Downward Dog, man. Yes. Oh, God. Can we just get a couple weeks? No, just like a couple weeks so I can catch up on it. Like, we're not talking this week about Master of None, which dropped as we record today. Um, it dropped today. And, like, I haven't had a chance to watch any of that yet. I still haven't watched Dear White People. I have, like, another half season of Sensei to watch. Like, there's too much, there's too much TV. There, there is. And uh, I, I'm sorry, Kate, but there will never not be any TV to watch. No, there. that's true. That is that is the truth fact. If only um, we were podcasting in 1994. <laughs> well, let's move on to our next show. Just quickly here, Andy Tribeca. I wanted to mention it just because I love this title so much. This has unbelievable, but CSI Miami did it. Um, is just like the the beautiful like part like sister title to Simpsons did it, um, which I don't know if that was the title of the episode, but that's of course what I always think of with South Park. Um, Simpsons did it. Uh, so so of course. The, that title comes from the fact that the plot is they think somebody was dropped off of a space station or, or, or a shuttle, I should say, yeah. and and killed. And that's the, the crime they have to solve. And apparently you were telling me that, yes, that is the plot of an episode of CSI Miami. I even think I've seen that episode of CSI Miami or like the beginning of it. Um, so, yeah, because because when I was watching the episode, I didn't see the title when I um, clicked play. So I was just like, wait, this all seems really familiar to me. And then I read the episode title and went, that's why this seems really familiar to me. This was indeed a CSI Miami episode. But it was good because we had uh, Giles uh, Giles uh, pretending to be uh, the lieutenant. Well, not pretending, being the lieutenant because he's going up for his lieutenant um, rank. And then we just dubbed in. He was doing his best Jerry Burns impression. And it's a pretty darn good Jerry Burns impression. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've been, we haven't been talking about it every week, but it's been a I think a really solid third season, mm-hmm. and certainly I've enjoyed it much more than the second season. Yeah, it has been, and they've been like like this episode has Natalie Portman playing yeah. a the head of the NASA control room, except it's still 1963 in the NASA control room. So while she's in charge, she's also making cookies and getting smacked on the ass, and everyone's okay with all of this. And she also assumes that um, Tanner is uh, Angie's boss. <laughs> because he's a guy yeah and it's 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 all really good and while i'd like to maybe get back to the serial trophy hunter plot um i I, i'm still really happy with what they're doing so far this season it's been really really funny yeah it was like i was like wait that's natalie portman like the guest stars this season have been insane Right, and I was talking about that with uh, Corey a little bit, and we were both just like, I don't know how they're getting all these people. It has to be the Corrells, but I don't know how else. Well, also Rashida Jones, you know. Yeah. She's been in a lot of different stuff, and uh, I mean, I think people just want to do the show. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of show that people want to go on. And and something like the Natalie Portman spot we get this week, it, that does not take very long. That's a day of yeah. shooting. So it's, it's just, you know, the thing that they, if the rest of the cast... Is flexible and or the show can be flexible enough for the production and yeah. they can make that work so yeah no it's been it's been a fun season uh but let's move on to brooklyn 99 uh we've had this week two episodes cop con and chasing amy uh which did you prefer of these two that's a good question um i think i like pushing amy just because it uh paired peralta and uh, ds together and i always like when the two of them are like paired together but i also liked Again, the show reaffirming that they're Jake and Amy's 
rom- uh, relationship is defined by the fact that they know and accept one another. And so well that Jake is able to basically go through the city of New York as Amy and figure it all out in terms of, did I wear sunscreen today? Yes, I did. She's that way. She's on the move. And it's just like, this is great because he understands her so well that he can figure all of this out. So I, I think I really enjoyed chasing Amy uh, a bit more than CopCon. But which one did you like the most? Yeah, they were both, I thought, really strong because they did a good job of combining the the show's heart and its emotional connections with enough ridiculousness and scheming. I always enjoy a good scheme. So when they're trying to, you know, throw their party in CopCon and Terry's talking about how Terry needs to starfish. <laughs> but, um, these different, it's not good. Laughing is not good for my cough. Um, but you I, you inflicted that one on yourself. I that did. Was not me. Well, Brooklyn Nine Nine did that. Terry Crews did that to all of us. Um, but I thought that that worked really well. Like, because whenever they again, when they, it, it's really great to see Gina and Jake working together, like we do see in Chasing Amy. It's also fun to have the whole team scheming um, yeah. towards a common goal, which. You know, they can only find so many ways to do that, usually. Um, and I thought it worked here. I like the murdering the robot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, it wasn't replacing me. It was replacing Amy. <laughs> and Andy Daly being evil. You know, those are... He's you know. got to come back, right? Because I, need, oh, I yeah. need I need that cheerful evilness to come back. Oh, we <laughs> need to have the revenge. Mm-hmm. The revenge of the 9-9. Um, but no, chasing Amy and, and like you said, the, the character of that. And and the continual I like when Gina starts to do it. And he's like, "Do the voice." And he's like, "We," she's like, "We don't have time," or whatever it was. Um, that you know, they they have again a good sense of humor about the characters, the relationship with Jake and Amy. Um, like you said, they do know each other so well, they respect each other, and they understand each other so well. Uh, but they also are very able and willing to make fun of each other too, and not take themselves or each other too seriously. And I think that 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 is one of the better sitcom relationships out there certainly dating relationships absolutely and it 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 never it even when it like suddenly starts to feel a little bit threatened like it did like in the stakeout episode with the boringest man alive Mm -hmm. um it it they somehow find a way to use it to reaffirm their relationship and I, I just I really like that about the show. And I like that about the relationship is that they don't need to find manufactured drama for them to argue about. And instead, they find drama in the fact that they're happy together and that Jake is willing to accept the braiding and the creepy singing of show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, good times. Good times. OK, well, what wins your week in comedy? Ah, uh, uh, this is not fair. Um, I think I'm going to give it chasing Amy, if only also for the diehard joke of uh, <laughs> there being bars on the window and just that ruining it, and then people making fun of him for there being bars on the window. We know there are bars on the windows, Rosa. And <laughs> so I'll give it to I'll give it to chasing Amy. What about you? Yeah, and that's Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, I got to give some love to Veep and Silicon Valley. Uh, mm-hmm. because the last couple episodes have been a tick up though I'm still uh, I still think the season has been it has lacked the direction in the surety and the purpose that the last couple seasons have had um, but there there was some really terrific stuff especially from Tony Hale this week on Veep and uh, Silicon Valley has had a I think a pretty strong start to their season as well so I man it's tough I'll give it to I'll give it to 
sprinkles. I'm gonna give it to the Blackish finale, I guess. Okay. They are going. It's there. It's gonna be a while until we're back with them. And yeah, um, yeah it was a. a fun, I like that they established our premise. Okay, so we're gonna see the, them talk about showers. I, I, as someone who's been to a lot of showers for various things, the the notion that it's not just about getting stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciated that uh just all the scorn heaped upon dre for that comment uh was delightful uh, especially because guys don't have to uh you guys aren't stuck with come up with 50 different presents every time someone has a major life event coming up and then come up with another present for when it actually happens i i'm not a bit i'm not big on showers everyone it's nothing to any of my friends or family who might be listening whose showers i've attended i've been very excited to attend your showers but it's just like as a concept it bothers me if you don't actually have nothing, if you have nothing, then that's the whole point. But if like, if you already haven't established everything, household, everything you don't need. Yeah. Anyways. Wow. You just went on like a 30 second rage. About I did. Showers. Do you, do you have and thoughts on showers? Do you ever have to go to showers? No. Um, See, all yeah. The, all mm-hmm. the people I know who are having babies. Um, I, I live too far away for them to invite me. So I just, um, get something off the registry and send it along if I, if it's part of it. But most of the people I know have already have kids. And then that just sends me down a life uh, spiral of, Oh, I'm alone. I'm going to die alone in my apartment. My cat's <laughs> going to eat me. And Oh, that's, that's, that's really great. Um, yeah. I need ice cream. Baby really showers, cream. wedding showers, <laughs> engagement showers. Like there's, there's too many, there's too many different kinds of showers. Too many showers. Anyways, uh, let's take a break. <laughs> I'll join you for some of that ice cream. Rest the throat here a little bit, and we'll come back with our weekend genre. week in genre we're going to talk a little bit about sense eight season two then noel's going to catch us up with samurai jack uh this week we had 40 uh 49 uh then we'll have steven universe which had lion four alternate ending uh dug out the good lars are you my dad and i am my mom and we're also going to preview stuck together a little bit because they put it up on crushnetwork.com but it's not airing until may 29th um, then we'll, so after we talk about all that Steven Universe, we'll move on to iZombie, Some Like It Hot Mess, and we'll round things out with American Gods, The Secret of Spoons. Uh, so first up is Sense8, and Noel, you've seen all of season two of Sense8, and I'm jealous of you because I've, I caught up with the Christmas special and I've seen the first five, but I have not been able to watch more yet. I love Sense8. Um, I'm super on board with Sense8, uh, so... You know, I I, 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 I want to turn it over more to you because I, I talked um, about Sense8 
last year or last season, whenever that was quite a bit. So, um, or at least I feel like I did. Um, so I want to hear what you thought about season two without spoiling me. If you oh no. So here's what happens in the end of season two is that, no, I, I won't do that. Cause I, 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 I want to guess there's an orgy. I want to guess that there's more singing. Mm-hmm. That's I, about I, right. I won't confirm or deny any of that. Some fight scenes, some chases. There are there. I will confirm that there are both of those things because I yeah, feel that, like that that's that's safe to confirm. How could there um, not be? How could there not be? Uh, so right. So I don't want to talk too much, but it's really good, Kate. Like it's it's really good. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it just has to come down to the fact that well, I think some storylines work better than others like i'm i'm kind of struggling i i as much as i like the concepts behind the caffius um storyline i also don't feel like it totally works but um all like and we can dig into this after like you've watched everything a little bit but because of the fact that the show can move on from the what the fuck is happening to us to the we are a group we are badass and we are connected we care about one another and we were there for each other is propels the show on basically all of its other plots. And that makes the show so much better because there's not this kind of sagginess that happened, especially in the early going of season one, um, where the questions become, how do we deal with BPO and how do we deal with whispers? And how do we also deal with Sun being in prison? Or how do we deal with Leto's career? And all this sort of stuff that they need to figure out. Or like Wolfie's gang war stuff. And to these all work to varying degrees as individual plot episodes. As individual threads of the show. But the central dynamic between these eight people plus the people in their lives that are both aware and unaware of what's going on it's all really good and it's all very exciting. And then there's just expansions of mythology um, that's happening. That's really, really good. And I think you've probably like started to see hints of that happening um, in the first five. You've met Lila. <laughs> yeah. I've met Lila. Yeah. Uh, I've just briefly seen Sylvester McCoy, which as a Whovian, you know, that's I who loved. that was right. That was Sylvester McCoy. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. Right, I guess yeah, Brown was... Sylvester McCoy, though I don't really care about that too much. <laughs> that's who that was. It was driving me nuts, and then I never bothered to look it up, but that's who that was. That's nice. <laughs> um, so, right, so you're getting an expansion of um, the idea that it makes sense that there are significantly more clusters out there, because um, otherwise, why would BPO be so huge? Um, so little bits of the show are, like, expanding, um, but not in, like, overly aggressive ways. And uh, so the focus stays on them. And it's it's all really good. Like, Will is still, like, the dullest thing about this show to me. Um, oh, I he, like Will. Will so... Gorski from Chicago? Of course I have to like Will. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just so boring. Um, <laughs> so boring. Um, but it helps that I like Riley. So, I mean, it balances out. Um, but no, so the rest of the season's really good. I'm eager for you to watch it so that we can discuss everything. Um, so tell me about how you're feeling about like the first five episodes that you've watched and you can, we can kind of, you can tell me what you've been thinking about so far there. The single element of a show that makes me connect to it, um, and connect to it deeply and really, fall in love with the show uh, is empathy. 
a show that has empathy for its characters and that wants to explore and discuss connection, um, understanding, and trying to get you into the, the, the emotion and the headspace and the feeling of what it is to be that character or live in that character's world. Um, and, and when I look at the history of the shows that I have most connected to, that is the through line I see. So, of course, I love Sense8 because that's what the show is all about. And, um, and and so this this season, I was so glad to have it back. I thought that the Christmas special was solid, um, not great, not not the best among the best that the show's ever done. But I thought it was really, you know, it's, I was so happy to be back in that world world again and with those characters. Um, the this, the second season so far, I'm up on the up to the first five. It has not yet had for me anything approaching the most transcendent moments of season one. Um, the, the, there hasn't been a single scene as powerful or as funny or as, um, again, I just use transcendent because I think the, the use of music, especially in the first season by the show was, was incredibly powerful to me to showing the, 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 the beauty and the ability that music has to connect people from completely different experiences and to give voice to something that you can't even put words to. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. And so far there hasn't been anything like that in the second season. And not that I need there to be a musical sequence or like them all singing, like they did the karaoke thing in season one or like in the, uh, the, the, the orchestra, the, the concert hall in at the end of season one. But there hasn't been that kind of a moment. And maybe it's because we're, like you said, we're past the discovery stage for them. They're not still just figuring this stuff out. Uh, and so, and they're, so we're watching them in action more and less in discovery. So maybe that's why they, they haven't had the time for that kind of a thing. And there's been very satisfying, a lot of very satisfying scenes of watching them, like, basically team up superhero style, like superhero team style, which has been really fun. Um... But I, I, so I have missed a little bit that sense of unity and oneness that we got in some of those season one sequences. I haven't felt that in quite the same way in season two, but the characters are badass. They're a lot of fun. They're, they're distinct, at least to me. Uh, you can see their flaws and their strengths. I, I love the support that you see from the characters around the sensates I, I like I, I love that this is a show that does not default to everyone is going to betray you um and this is a show that defaults to support and to you are correct and you were right to trust somebody and feels like that's in pretty short supply certainly in genre shows in action shows in in dramas that doesn't seem to be praised and that, that doesn't seem to be the default in other shows so I really appreciate that here and um yeah it's just like, I could just watch Dunabai stretching placidly on, on a rooftop for, like, a whole hour, you know? Like, I, I just love being with these characters. So, uh, I, so far, I think the, the mythology is working a lot better than it maybe should have, much better than I expected it to. The stuff with whispers and the um, 
the inhibitors and the the you know stuff with Jonas and some of these other characters are working much better than I expected. Um, I'm a little leery about Wolfgang and what's going on with him and like getting drawn into the underworld or whatever. But the other storylines I think for me so far are working are working well. Okay. Yeah, so I can't dig into a lot of what you're talking about um, without spoiling things. So okay, um, except oh God, all I really want to say is Jonas. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think your point about empathy and support is just really key to why this show is so good. And I think one of the things, like if you're missing like the music's the music stuff, I think a lot of it is also for me supple, uh, has been supplanted by the fact that so many shots of them now exist of them together yeah. like being with one another like physically air quotes and seeing all of them like walk into situations with one another or appear in moments of triumph with one another or moments of sadness with one another is like gut punching type stuff and it just like goosebump type stuff consistently for me and i was talking about it with my friend danielle while we were watching it because we were like even though we were on opposite ends of the country we were both just like we're gonna watch this we're gonna text back and forth about it we're gonna do like three or four episodes at a time and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the episodes as we go through Mm -hmm. it and like i forget like when but i was just like every time they're like together i just it's exactly the reason why i want to watch this show um is them walking together them doing things together even if it's not like fighting or like hacking or any of that kind of stuff the snowball Uh, fight how great is that snowball fight so great right um so all of this i think is just really really good and i really enjoy how everyone gets integrated but how their emotions and this is something that season one explored a little bit when they would pop into one another's uh spaces uh during like a particular emotional moment but now it's happening kind of more willfully in a lot of ways and i like seeing that i like seeing them in tune with one another and it's just it's very exciting and i really like the exploration of their dynamics um as a group but also as like individuals and what's happening around them. So, um, and, but also I just enjoy badass things like sun saying jailbreak, baby. She's <laughs> like, yes, it's so amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. And it's also just still really driven by these characters in a lot of ways and what they want to do to survive, but also what they want to do to be happy. And it's all really good, and I enjoy it, and I can't wait for you to watch the next six episodes so that we can talk about them. <laughs> and we can just we can just revel in all of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, never you fear, Noel. That will be happening shortly. Um, and we just, of course, I feel like we have to mention, it's so spectacular to watch a show with the main character who is trans who is in no way defined by being trans. Yeah. It's just, it's... It's beautiful and wonderful, and I appreciated the other trans characters who were there in the background of, like, in that, in, in Nomi's story, like, when they're in the shelter and, and some of those other places, too, find, using trans actors and and including including trans people in their world, because so few shows do it, and when they do, 
that's the reason that they're there. It's, you know, capital V-S-E, very special episode. So uh, it's just, this is hopefully where more shows will go head towards eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed, yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay, let's move on to Samurai Jack. Uh, I'm behind on it, but uh, Noel, what did you think of this week's episode 49? I wasn't a big fan. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so Jack and Ashi um, end up trapped in a prison that's a uh, prison ship that's, uh, whatchamacallit, fallen to Earth in the desert because um, they ran away from um, some scary tiger assassins, which was a really good sequence. Um, but, um, Kate, they kiss at the end of the episode and it, it, it's not good and it's Ooh, gross, it's, bad. Exactly. It's weird and bad because this is a woman who's been brainwashed and it's just, I can't help but go. She is not in an emotional place that this is okay on any level. And I don't like the show trying to sell me on this. <laughs> Like, I also kind of go, how does she know what kissing is? And to know that that's what you do after you fought off a regenerative uh, worm monster and you're both, like, losing all your clothes all the time. And it's it, it, it's not good, and it made me really upset because I also just, I don't... I, I know he hasn't aged, <laughs> but he's, like, at least 70 or 80 at this point. <laughs> She's a baby, yeah. meaning like she's barely even started expressing free will. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, really not looking forward to catching up now. Yeah. And I mean, they were kind of like teasing it in the previous episode a little bit, I felt like. But this episode just leans in really hard with them having uh, confused but flustered like hand touching on like a uh, transportation rig and grabbing a pole and then just like being awkward and cute. And it's just like, no, this is not awkward and cute. This is kind of weird. And I'm not comfortable with any of this. Least of all, the fact that she loses her clothes at some point. So he tosses her a robe. Um, Cause Jack is one for modesty, which is consistent. Um, but it's also just like, this is, ah, I just, I was just not happy about it. And then they, I forget the, the song, but they actually used a piece of like, an old standard to close out the episode as they're kissing. And I just went, this is also stylistically really weird for this show. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was not a fan. I, I was really kind of frustrated um, and a little creeped out. And also like, this is again, like we were just saying, this is a woman who's fascinated by ladybugs still and a not, I I'm interested in bugs as a field of study. This is a woman who is ladybugs represented hope and freedom for me. And they're fascinating to me for that reason. But now I know what kissing and making out is. She's like, no, this is not, this is not something I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I guess I will have thoughts. Yes. There's no, what they likely will be, but I will try to keep, you know, at least part of my brain open, uh, part of an open mind for when I catch up with that. So, uh, more on that next week, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know he got his sword back, so that's good. That yay, that's that's good. And it, it was actually a good episode in which he gets his sword back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's cleanse the palate. Steven Universe. Yeah. Steven Universe back was back week. with the Great British Bake Off starring Lars. <laughs> yeah, 
I was very disappointed that we didn't get to see his final product. Um, what what did you think of this week's uh, worth of episodes? And like uh, like like why in four alternate ending? I was I, I I was I feel bad, but I kind of wanted more. No, I was I was expecting a lot more, and I I, I think that. I don't know if that was the point that it was supposed to be reflective of Steven's search for meaning and a reinforcement that no, the meanings, the meaning you, you have it already. And that's why this is the same thing. It's just like a reiteration, but given everything, given the heft of previous line episodes, um, it felt like kind of just a letdown. I agree. Um, what about the rest of the, cause, cause that's sort of its own thing. And then we have the, uh, aquamarine and topaz like arc. Right. Here. Um, what, what did you think about the dugout good Lars and are you my dad? And I am my mom. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to I, I, I'm not like, I, I feel like lion is like a prelude more than anything mm-hmm. because it, it's connected to Steven's decision to, give himself up to Aquamarine, who is just uh, wonderfully voiced by the woman who voiced Judy Hopps in Zootopia, everyone. (laughs) So keep that in mind while you're listening to when we get back to um, Stuck Together and just when Topaz shows back up, just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But so it works as a prelude, I think, for like an understanding of what I was searching for was here all along type of thing. But then the other pair, the other set of episodes, I think are all really good. Like I enjoy Mr. Mis- Mr. Mis- Mr. Mahesh Warren, um, because I feel like we haven't really seen him like independent of, um, Dr. M- Dr. Mahesh Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, so watching him navigate being a security guard at Funland, I thought was really fun. Um, and I enjoyed having Steve and, and Connie team up to like help him out um so that was fun i enjoyed that but i think the good lars i i was just was probably my favorite episode of them um just because i enjoy a kind of i've just come to kind of enjoy the steven and lars dynamic a lot uh how they're just kind of opposed to one another in their pessimism and optimism but also just the fact that it also has the delicious line of i i was in your body for a whole day you can tell me anything (laughs) A, again, going back to the, that episode wasn't, like, great for Steven, but it was also just really fun sort of acknowledgement that everyone in Beach City has kind of accepted the fact that really weird things happen when Steven is around and no one bats <laughs> an eye anymore. And I like that. I think that's great. So I enjoy, like, furthering an explanation, exploration of where Lars and Sadie kind of fit within the within their age group or what just on the fringes of their age age group since i'm still not sure exactly how old either (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay because sadie sang a little bit at the potluck and everyone loves her and that's correct because sadie's terrific he's the best yeah right so um yeah how did you feel about them the other four episodes and we can kind of like discuss are you my dad and uh, i am my mom a little bit more yeah, um, I I liked the good Lars. Um, I, I liked Dugout too, and just the the notion of like he's the one with the boring job of everyone yeah. in their family was was nice. Like I thought it was gonna be a cool stakeout. <laughs> oh well, um, um, good Lars. Like when Lars is like, yeah, but like baking is lame. Anyone could do that if you could 
just painstakingly do this and then this and then this and then this and then if you can follow it like that kind of thing i've definitely said some stuff like that in the past and had people like want to smack me like oh what's oh this is really great um what's in it it's like oh it's really easy to make you just need and i like listed like 20 ingredients and like and it is if you are someone who bakes or if you are someone who cooks it seems very straightforward but if you are not <laughs> the, the person sounds like an idiot um so i i appreciated lars having that um reaction to or undervaluing his work as a, as someone who bakes and that actually lots of other people would think that that was cool and you just don't think it's cool lars because you're the one who's doing it if sadie did it you'd think it was really cool so um yeah i, I appreciated that dynamic that we got there um as for uh are you my dad and i am my mom um, I thought it was a good prelude. Uh, I like how powerful Aquamarine is. I like that we get another flipping of the, some of the dynamic of the smaller gems being the nice ones and the bigger gems being the mean ones, um, which has, I know has been a, an issue with some of the Steven Universe fan base about um, stereotyping based on body size and, and coding and that kind of a thing so we had that reversed with our most recent ruby and then we get that here as well and i think i i, I like that i don't know if that's an I, like a definite choice to address that by the writers but i you know feels like that a little bit to me so i like that we get the super powerful aquamar aquamarine who's tiny and like you said very delightfully voiced um i like the um stuff we get so far, the design for Topaz, there's more coming with Topaz. Um, but I, I think the design for both is, is very good. And I'm more excited about what is yet to come, I think. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I should correct myself is like Della Saba voices um, Aquamarine. She does young Judy, not old Judy. But yeah. still, um, it's still creepy either way, guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah, no, I really liked um, that inversion as well of Topaz and um, Aquamarine in terms of sizes and aggressiveness. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was really good. And I I like the fact that Aquamarine is just like super friggin' powerful, basically. Mm -hmm. Like her ribbon slash wand is basically just a god mode kill stick. Um, but it, it creates like an arrogantness that's really fun for the character. Um, but also a different kind of dynamic from some of the other gems that we've experienced in like, this is very clearly like upper echelon, confident upper echelon, not anxiety ridden upper echelon, like what we saw with the zoo. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I appreciated that, but yeah, it, it, I don't know if it's a correction by the writers, but I feel like it probably might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, just from how tapped into the fandom they are and how aware they are about how people respond to the show. Yeah. Um, and then also, especially given like how um, the uh, Stuck Together plays out a little bit, and we can talk about that later um, when it actually airs, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, right. So I, I do agree also that like, this gears me up for stuff to come. I agree. Yeah. They have four um, episodes dropping on May 29th. Right, um, which is a lot. Wow. But yeah. that's really, technically that's just an hour, yeah. but it's it's four episodes. Um, 
but I'm I'm excited to see like what's coming up next more than anything because like Steven's like basically facing up to Rose and uh, how did you and this was something I tweeted and I want your opinion on it. Um, how do you feel about Steven calling his mom a war criminal? I mean, I think it fits for the yeah. gems. Yeah, I think it's it's harsh um, because when we think of that word, we don't think of someone who killed one person but we would we would say assassin Mm -hmm. we wouldn't say war criminal i think but well it's appropriate yeah and i i just i i was it was like harsh and that's what like caught me off guard because it was just like steven acknowledging the fact that his mom was maybe not the best which as you know and like listeners are like aware is like i've always been kind of like always iffy on rose's placement within like a moral compass um and like decisions that she made because i i was always kind of one of those that goes well it makes sense for rose to appeal to these um folks who are lower in the gym hierarchy because there's more of them type of thing like rattling the proletariat makes more sense than trying to sway the diamonds basically um type that kind of that kind of approach is like savviness that i feel like a lot of representations of rose sort of underplay but have always like been present in some ways most noticeably like with what she does with bismuth um so i I, it it was harsh but i also just feel like it fits with like within where steven was with dealing with mom and dealing with rose's overall presence within his life but it was also one of those things where how exactly are you defining her as a war criminal from like the homeworld perspective or do you legitimately like feel like she's a war criminal in a lot of ways and that wasn't expanded on in any way by the episode which is fine they have significantly bigger fish to fry than sort of like emotional semantics in this sense but yeah it just it really struck me and so i wanted to get your take on that yeah, I do think it's significant, and it's. Um, I think it also is, just shows Stephen continue, continuing to kind of deal with this and work it out in his mind, and he might be responding like going too far the other way. Um, I mean, I would say he is, but um, but just trying to process and you know continue to evaluate his relationship with his mom and what that means to him. So it, it's nice that the show is continuing to explore and not just leaving her in some as some paragon which the show never threatened to do that but right that's one of the that's one of the key relationships on the show is steven's relationship with his perception of his mother yeah it's very affecting what we get with it here but also like the gems like the crystal gems's perspective of like the the think about like the early representations of like rose and we always get like these giant statues of healing water and um secret like uh caches of information and that kind of thing but also like how pearl has a very complicated relationship with rose but a not super complicated concept of who rose was because of what rose did for her and that kind of a thing so i I, it's always for me it's always been kind of a tug of war between what rose would have had to have done to achieve her ends within this um, war versus how she's depicted to us as these great portraits or these statues. And I think that's where like finally Steven's on that track of really kind of working all of that out. And I say finally, even though we've been doing this for like a season and a half now. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you want to give any thoughts briefly, spoiler-free, we about uh, Stuck Together? I really liked Stuck Together. I thought it was a very sweet little episode. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of all I want to say about it. But it was also kind of a sad little episode as well because of how things play out. But I, I, I really liked Stuck Together. What about you? Yeah, I really like Stuck Together. Uh, there's at, so, at one point there's something involving a lasso that <laughs> is really delightful. Um, that works really well. I really appreciated, um, there's a turn partway through, uh, that I think works really well and some assumptions that are, uh, called into question that play plays really well. Uh, I will have thoughts on a missed opportunity, a hugely missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned at, by the end of the episode, um, based on something that Steven should have responded to, in my opinion, but that's all I'll say on that. And it makes me very excited for the next three. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited for the next three. Can't wait. Can't wait. Okay, what about iZombie? Some like it hot mess. We got our answer about Blaine. And yeah, how, how, how wonderfully vindicated did you feel? Yeah, well, because I still think it's all been stupid, and they're still trying to have their cake and eat it. Um, yes, and, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. I mean, the, the only thing that they could do that would make me think this is not completely useless or like, I still think it's just not a great decision, like route that they went down, but at least it would be more interesting is if Blaine is going to cook up his version of the memory thing and start working towards cure things and then do something good with it. Right. If, if Blaine decides to stay on the good side of things after this, rather than just turning back to evil again, um, then that is at least a long-term reason we did this. Yeah. I'm not confident that that's what they're doing, though. That is so not what they're going to do. No. Um, and it's going to be basic, and it's not going to be interesting. Right. And yeah, so this episode is just kind of, a, well, it's there in the episode title. It's kind of a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um, in so far as like the Blaine stuff comes out and like you, I feel like they attempted to have their cake and continue to eat it. And well, we kind of, we, we kind of redeemed him. And then it was just like, oh no, he's been faking all along for reasons of self-preservation and also probably to sleep with Peyton. Mm-hmm. Um, so that resulted in really bad Ravi Peyton stuff. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's become kind of frustrating to watch the show a little bit in a lot of ways. And Caitlin over at tvguide.com, she and I like had a discussion that turned into an article that she wrote that you can go read about like problems that she's having, but also like similar to what I'm having with the show. And like Liz has become increasingly passive within her own narrative. Um, what's ostensibly her own narrative and, to some of your earlier discussions about like the effectiveness of certain brains, but also like the brains have just been kind of consuming her personality really Mm -hmm. aggressively. And it's resulted in, again, like Liv not feeling particularly important to literally every other story that's happening around her. And that's kind of a problem (laughs) when your main character doesn't have anything to do other than be the plot monkey. 
Uh, so that's been like kind of an issue, but also just other things that are going on uh, within the show. So like the cure being stolen. And now we have a big investigation about who stole it, which is exciting for like a Ravi perspective because Thomas has confirmed that this is going to be like a really Ravi heavy plot and getting him out of the morgue and doing something uh, really aggressive and interesting. And I'm excited to see that. I'm less excited by Thomas going, yeah, um, we're not going to tell you who stole the cure until season four, like right off the bat on season four, but we just cut it from the finale because we didn't have time. And I probably went, oh my God. No, I don't. I, no, why? Why are you going to draw this out for seven episodes? Um, so that's that. That also has me kind of nervous. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure like how this is all going to play out. I guess, and I'm feeling kind of frustrated by this show that I really, really love, and uh, going making just some weird decisions and kind of scattered plot stuff that doesn't all feel connected just yet. And it's just making me nervous. And I don't like being nervous about shows that I like because then I end up with like the hundred and I don't want to end up with the hundred again. Kate. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. None of us want that again. We should mention, by the way, talking we should about mention, TV right. news, Klexicon 2018, five days. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited that they, um, a feel like that there's enough support from the first outing to do five days for a second outing which is intense uh but also that there's the um the feeling that they can fill that with like panels um from all sorts of people but it's also like obviously necessary given like the fact that the representation panel went yeah like we could have just done this the entire weekend guys (laughs) (laughs) so no it's really exciting and it's still going to be in vegas and yeah it should be it should be a very enjoyable experience yeah, I look forward to to following um what all the different things that go down with that and uh yeah, way to go Klexicon and I'm very happy for all the the for Klexicon and for all the the fans mm-hmm. too. Everybody who went last year, everybody who wanted to go and didn't get to, hopefully we'll be able to go next year. So, that was awesome. Um getting back to iZombie though. Um yeah, I I love all the stuff they're doing with Major and Liv. Yes. It continues to be really terrific. And I'm like, this is the part of the show. This is the, this is the show for me. The mm-hmm. stuff with Ravi and the stuff with, with, with Major and Liv and the stuff with Liv and Peyton. Uh, that is the show as far as I'm concerned. And I Poor don't Clive. care about, oh, and Clive, <laughs> the, 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 the procedural element. Yes. To, that that is no the, it's too late you don't care about clive no that's the structure and framework of the show but like the right. heart of the show is not that stuff when they give yeah. clive an episode as we saw this season he nails it yeah but they usually don't um everything so else I, do, I don't I, care I, about i did like his reaction to hearing what the woman was going to be like and his oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've uh I've, I've dealt with some pretty hardcore hot messes yeah. Uh, in a significant way uh, at various points in my life. And so it was just like, it was giving me some flashbacks. <laughs> just, I've never been a fan of drama. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of that personality type either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I've, and the fact that that is the personality type that causes the, what will likely be a negative thing to happen with Blaine getting this information, this formula, um yeah that makes 
a lot of sense. Sure. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, as, as far as this other stuff, it's just like... Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. I can't be excited about it. And I also, I was very glad that the show got renewed on yes. behalf of the people who love it. But I also was like, ah, crap, that means that they are going to stretch out Major and Liv and keep them apart until the end of next season, then maybe. And that's kind of exhausting to me because they're so good together. Well, they are good together. But the thing is, is like without a cure for Liv, there's no show. But Liv and Major kind of then have to navigate relationship dynamics because they can't really be like together physically without things going poorly well, again for major. Well, they don't know that though, but they're not willing to risk it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, maybe that's something they could explore, but I don't know. Right. And also I think like they also, one of the things to factor in is I think where live is emotionally with what happens with major, like them sleeping together and that kind of a thing. But then with the knowledge of the or the assumption of that he a wouldn't remember, uh, but B would be human and mm -hmm. like where Liv falls on how what that means to her and what this means to him now that he's human, but also has his memories and where they can navigate where where whether or not they can come together, like just from headspace wise, I think even putting aside zombie and not zombie, I think will be interesting. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, the, it's the stuff with major being human again was really a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So that worked really well. And the, but I will say it was fun having two zombies on yeah, the show. It was. And like the potential that gave them with brains and stuff. Um, so I'm going to miss that part of it. I think. Well, I mean, maybe we can just make Clive a zombie. Well, and... we'll see. Yeah, no, they're not going to make Clive a zombie. They're I not going to make Clive that a zombie. That would be sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Clive to be a zombie. Uh, any final thoughts on iZombie, or is it time to argue about American Gods? It's time to argue about American Gods, Kate. So um, tell me what you thought about this episode. Okay, so this episode is uh, The Secret of Spoons, and uh, I, th I, I... Okay, we have to talk about that opening. Yeah, I have yeah. Casualty thoughts about that opening. Yeah. But the rest of the episode, uh, I actually liked quite a bit better than the first episode. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like there was more direction. Felt like there, you know, the, 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 I was more struck by some of the visuals and, and the, there was a, I like, I understood where we were going and why, and the time we were spending uh, the casting, like the, the guest cast popping up was terrific. I loved Jillian Anderson as Lucy Ricardo that surprise like I've, i had forgotten that detail to it and mm -hmm. and like how they executed that and um yeah i look forward to the different ways they're gonna have her pop up um i thought that was terrific and super fun um and so like i actually was on board for most of this episode um and i liked that they made shadow much more active and much more um he's you know questioning wednesday he's pushing back on things in a way that he wasn't in the first episode and i really appreciated that uh, so aside from the, the opening scene which i think we gotta talk about on its own how did you feel about the rest of the episode oh, god it was so boring kate so bored <laughs> so bored i almost fell asleep during the checkers game i was so bored um like i, I mean 
Jillian Anderson's really good as media slash uh, Lucy Ricardo. Um, even though it was weird for that sequence to play out in a crowded department store, um, as opposed to a empty hotel room in which it's just shadow and the television. So I thought that was a little weird. Oh, it works so much better in the crowded department store though. Cause you can just assume no one else is seeing it, but him. Right. But, but that's then still... there's activity. Right, but that's still also super weird that no one else is seeing this guy just standing there talking at the television screens. I don't think that's weird. Okay. Well, like, and we don't know that they're not seeing him. Right. It's like, oh, there's a crazy dude over there. Yeah. But they're just seeing a regular TV. Why would that be weird? Because there's no response to him talking to the televisions. That's a little weird to me. Would you respond to someone talking? Would you, like, go interact with somebody who's talking at a television? Possibly, yes. Oh, <laughs> or I, at I... least, at least I would alert the store. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it just it seemed a little weird, and like no employee comes over, so it's a little weird to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Did not. Bother, I didn't think it went on long enough to need that, but I mean, I I I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you're not you're not buying any of it. No, I'm not buying it. <laughs> selling, but I, I you know I I understand. I understand yeah. where you're coming from. So, and also as far as like Shadow pushing back, it's just like, yeah, he pushes back, but his pushing back is like kind of futile because again, if he pushes back too hard, then there's no story. So it feels nice, but then he's also like still not getting like any particular answers in any way, shape or form. Um, he's just like going, he's still getting maps. He's still getting everything that they need. And so, yeah, so things like his dynamic with Wednesday is, for me, trades more on the fact that um, Whittle and McShane work really well together and clearly have or clearly enjoy like being trapped in a car for scenes together. Mm -hmm. And so there's really good dynamics there. But like everything uh, when they get to Zora and um, Zornsborg uh, um, um, apartment is just like, OK, yeah, OK. And he literally fades to the background, which is fine. But then he plays checkers and it's just kind of dull to me. And <laughs> but then there's just like stuff like visually that you're talking about where I'm just like, we're still we're still kind of doing Hannibal again um, in framing, but also just in like sound design, especially where um, it's very Hannibal esque to me in a lot of ways, but also just like watching blood dripping down the hammer and falling down. It's just again, it's very Hannibal to me. And so all of this is just a stuff I feel like I've seen iterations of before, but narratively, I'm just like, I don't, I, I, I'm struggling to find a way into caring about any of this. And which is why I was just like aggressively bored with 15 minutes left in the episode and just going like, oh my God, please just get to the checker game. And then just let's be done with the checker game so we can move on to someone else, please. And that's kind of where I left off with Secret of Spoons is like, I'm not I'm not happy I'm paying ten dollars a month for this right now. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay. Um, yeah, because it was so much more like the the, the stuff we got with um it was, I guess I just really enjoyed Peter Stormare in his his performance and also Clarice Leachman was just delicious. Right, they're both they're both good, but they're also I've seen them do stuff like this before. <laughs> See, I haven't seen Cloris Leachman do anything like this before. Okay, I've only seen her in like more straightforward comedic roles. So okay, so yeah. like a more, but I mean, this still is like kind of a muted comedic stuff. So I'm not like 
she's just toning it down as far as I'm concerned. And like, mm-hmm. she's still, she's still being funny. So it's just like, this is just muted Cloris Leachman. And there's nothing, particularly, <laughs> there's, there's nothing particularly, ah, yes. Type of thing for me with this. Okay. So, but Fair it's all, it's also funny to think about the fact that they actually offered Stro, uh, Stromer's character to McShane first. Oh <laughs> yeah. No. Um, which I mean, I understand why because they probably figured that they couldn't get McShane for the entire thing. Yeah. Um. But then you just go, who else would play this Slavic god? Like, mm-hmm. who else would have done this really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, like, not that McShane couldn't do it, but like, right. This is so much better. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that opening scene then. Um, right. Sure. So as it starts, I was very confused by the choice to use jazz i was like okay why why they're on a slave ship mm-hmm. and they're using jazz to score it yeah that is a capital c choice yeah um why are they doing that it doesn't really work for me huh and then they then they have anansi or mr nancy um and orlando jones and i think he his performance is terrific and really powerful i love the the costume design the the really the, the way it's all pitched i think works really well what doesn't work for me is having that character having the gods have knowledge of 200 years in the future if the gods if if in like when slaves are being taken over on the ships their god anansi knows what's going to happen 300 years in the future why are we watching the show? Like, why does the show exist? Why is Wednesday going to do something like trying to rustle up people to, to go to, to war or whatever. Um, if the gods just know what's going to happen through years in the future. I had this thought as well. I don't think it bothered me as much given the context of what it was meant to achieve, but within a larger framework, um, Either it's a they can't see like details of themselves, um, which is a possibility, but there's not whether basically it hinges on whether or not there's going to be an answer for it, because if they can't see into like their own, there's not an explanation of that. They can't see into their own future type of thing. They can just see macro type of thing, Um, though. I feel like everything that this is building up to is a macro level thing. Mm hmm. So the degree to which that they can see into the future is something that needs to be accounted for, basically. And without it being accounted for, then the degrees of anachronisms that occur within the sequence from the jazz to um, Anansi's costuming. Mm -hmm. um, Because, again, like to your point about knowing the future is that he appears in just a plaid suit. And it's just like, that's not something that exists in 1697. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's 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 a little weird. That's did, what's hap- happening. Did the gods not change in appearance over time? Well, because just, if they don't, they would stick out like a sore thumb. Right, and obviously they probably do, because I, I yeah. can't imagine that Odin is appearing in bucket hats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <in> 1813. <laughs> 8, 813, I should say. So, no, it's aggressively anachronistic, uh, but to the point of your issue with it, and it's a very good issue to have, as the the degree to which that they can see in the future is just something that needs to be accounted for. 
Um, the the thing is, is like I'm willing to forgive it because no small part is Orlando Jones just fucking incredible in that sequence. Um, and the purpose of this massive monologue of wrongs that will some are going to befall them that he can't really do anything to change is terrific because it stirs this revolt up and um, something else that I, I kind of don't want to like mention, but you and I can discuss it off the recording since we've read the book um, th- that it's really good. in so far as like, this is a good way to motivate them into a realization of this is what, why you need to do this. This is why you need to rise up. Um, and even if it's going to result in you all dying, this is better than what's waiting for you, basically. And I, I enjoyed it insofar as Jones's monologue and the writing to a large extent just sells all of it. Um, but again, like it becomes like a really big snag. This is the kind of issues based conversations I was more interested in the show having and that the creators and showrunners talked about wanting to do or planning to do with the show when I saw the their panel at Comic-Con last year. Um, but you, when you're watching it, you just kind of have to be like, okay, we're ha- going to have a discussion about an issue, in this case, racism in America, and the, the dark and screwed up history of race relations in America, um, or p- this portion of it, I should say. Um, and it's going to be tangential to the show and not really that connected to the show. And if you care too much about it making sense and it fitting with everything else, then that's going to be a problem because because the show doesn't care about that. Um, so I would not be surprised if this something like this came up again and they had similar you know things like that. The other issue that I have with it is um, on that level is that it it feels too constricted by now. Because he talks in yeah. 100 years of this, in 200 years of this, you know, like, he goes up to, and, huh, shockingly enough, he stops having pronouncements about what it'll be like when we get to now. Yeah. Um, and if he's a god and he knows, you know, like, it'll take X, you know, like, you if he said it will take hundreds of years to even start getting towards any sort of equality, like, like then, then that's like, okay, you can have a conversation about, okay, what does that mean? Like how many hundreds of years, 400, 500, how many hundreds of years? But when it felt like a little too neatly and we're not going to project beyond today because we don't know and we don't want to project. So I just, I feel like, I was having these these troubles with the writing of it again while acknowledging it's a really it's a damn good scene it's really well delivered the 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 music which I started having an issue with once I realized like you said the anachronisms that they were embracing for it then I thought it worked and the it kind of it really crescendoed to this like much more intense and uh, again the, the the way that it builds I think works very very well and the, most of the writing, like, for the speech itself, I think is actually really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like this, it's just sort of this bubble of a thing. And the rest of the episode is over there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wonder how much of that is, like, the 
one thing I do wonder, like, while we're talking about this is how much of this is the coming to America storylines and whether or not this is actually true or it's framed from uh, what's the, the character who ends up writing these stories. Um, I want to say it's Ibis. I want to say it's Ibis as well, that he's writing this into the story in a lot of ways. And maybe that's what we're supposed to take. But within the con without knowledge either way of uh knowledge of future events on a nazi's part or ibis injecting this into the storyline um the story that he's telling without knowing one way or the other it becomes like you said this kind of bubble but it also becomes this thing that works really well but has a conceptual conceptual issue that kind of keeps it from fitting um making sense within the larger narrative yeah Yep. Well, uh, do you want them to keep doing if if it does if they if they can resolve that issue then great. But if they don't, would you rather have more of those or would you rather have them adhere to the the logic of their narrative in their world? I'd rather have them adhere to a logic of their narrative. Um even if they explain it, um it just, then just becomes this kind of weird thing um to me. But it also like raises other issues of like how these coming to America stories function Mm -hmm. Uh, as like framing devices, but also like stylistic devices. Like the coming to America thing is also in which we had the aspect ratio break Mm -hmm. um, with the Vikings. And so like just, it's all cool, but it also needs to fit for me because I'm not willing to like allow like a lot of things to pass on the rule of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it's cool, then we can do it and we don't have to necessarily worry about it fitting. And I kind of go, I kind of need you guys to make it fit. Um, cause I know you guys can make cool fit cause I've seen who, you do it. <laughs> I've seen you do it. So yeah. it all needs to kind of work together, I think. Um, so that's kind of where I fall with it is even if Ibis goes, well, I decided to take some poetic license with these stories and it's just like, I don't know if that's what you would do really. But okay, as a as like a character and a keeper of these tales, I'm not entirely convinced that you would inject and who Ibis is, that you would inject your own poetic license into things. Yeah. So hmm. Eh. Hmm. okay. Yeah. Um well, what wings your weekend genre? That's a really good question. Um Um well I guess I can just give it to Sensei twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, when we discuss it in full, but also the first half. No, I'll give it to Sensei, and um, then I'll just pick something different next uh, when we discuss it in full. But yeah, um, I'll give it to the entirety of Sensei, um, just because it's so good, Kate. It's so good. And I can't <laughs> wait for you to watch the rest of it. But yeah, I'll give it to Sensei this week. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Sensei as well. I'm very glad the show's back. And it just. I've missed these characters and I've missed their world and I've missed the love that the show and the writers and the actors and everybody involved clearly has for for these characters and these stories that they're telling. Cause it just, it, it just oozes off the screen, Mm -hmm. that love and that warmth. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. So yeah. Sensate for me too. Now we'll take a break and we will come back with our season spotlight on Underground Season 2. We'll be right back after this. The Lord sent you to me to get your family back. 
to be the most notorious slave catcher, one would think you'd have caught the most notorious runaway. Harriet Tubman. Ain't nobody scared of you. We just need to be ready when my friends arrive. was the underground theme song once again with its potential non-renewal um this might be a dvd shelf no but uh we're going to treat it as a season spotlight for now because we want to live in hope um so this week we had the season finale of underground season two uh soldier but we haven't talked about the show for a few weeks we wanted to really dive in with not just this episode but the season as a whole and, and how we feel like it all came together um noel Let's start with how do you feel like the season ended up with the title Soldier? And we had, of course, the episode before Citizen, this discussion of Citizen versus Soldier that the show was. But also Citizen Soldiers and Citizen Soldiers. The show was dealing with all season. How do you feel like they executed that? And was that a successful and compelling and fruitful dis- uh, like direction for them to take in season two? What do you think? I think it was an interesting and good way, a good story to start to tell, but it also just felt so, and especially considering how the season ends, um, that it felt very much going back to like this idea of prelude that we were talking about with Steven universe a little bit. I is like, it felt very much like a thematic setup for a season three deep thing. Like they had to, put together the framework and i feel like a lot of this is more necessarily about elizabeth which is a weird thing but it's like it's aggressively about elizabeth i'm not i'm not even like saying it's a little bit about elizabeth it's very much aggressively about elizabeth um because everyone else doesn't necessarily seem that tapped in or concerned with everything else that's happening for understandable reasons everyone else doesn't get a choice in that conversation She's right. the only white character. She's the only white, the only character who gets to choose if she's going to be a citizen or a soldier. Right. And, but even to like larger degrees, but I mean, we can dig in, but like, it's, it's a really good discussion I think to have. And like, but Elizabeth is like the centered point of that. And she, for a lot of the larger thematic stuff that this season does, it all centered around her. And I thought that ended up being weird and interesting, not bad per se, but given that everyone else is largely focused on issues of survival, but getting to one another and reconnecting, that putting this idea of um, activism and the degree of activism onto Elizabeth made sense within the within the narrative context. But it also it kept pushing Elizabeth into a prominence that I just kind of kept going. But but no one Rosalie. 
<laughs> and I kept reaching for them on the shelf, basically, and wanting their story to kind of like come forward in ways that had a more emotional oomph than, well, we need to go get this or get go back to this. And it just, yeah, I think that's kind of where I ended up with that. Uh, ended up with that is that it was more about Elizabeth than it was anyone else in this question. And I think it's a good answer. And I think it's a good question to ask, uh, given that so much of what Underground was about this season ended up not being necessarily about things that were happening in the 1800s, but being things that were about what were happening today and within the country now. So, yeah, it was good, but I don't know that it necessarily... I responded to it as strongly as I did as as I would have liked, I think. Um, but I'll turn it back to you and how you felt about this concept and how they executed it. And whether or not you felt like it was more set up for third season, given that we end with a uh, John Brown sort of emphasis. Yeah. Um, I will go further than you and say that that, that is bad. It is okay. bad that... Not the discussion. The discussion is terrific. But it is right. bad that it mostly just pertains to the white character. Yeah. And that we have a show about the Underground Railroad that centers and puts at its core, theoretically, the making seven in season one, the making seven and the other people, the other slaves at the making plantation and what they're dealing with and what they're experiencing. And then in season two gives its thematic journey and its arc to the white lady. Come on. Why is she more centered than Rosalie? Because she is. Um, at the, by the, when you look at like the last scene, the last scene isn't about Rosalie. The last scene isn't about Noah. The last season isn't about Harry Mother Tubman. The last, the last scene is about Elizabeth. And as much as Jessica DeGau, I think, has been terrific all season, and as much as that progression for her has been terrific to watch and has been a really strong part of the show the last scene of potentially the series underground should not be about a white girl white woman i was waiting for you to continue <laughs> no i don't feel like i need to <laughs> uh no you're you're totally correct um and i i'm being more generous um which is i think fine and um i like it when we differ and <laughs> i promise i'm not doing this on purpose everyone um, but it's it's more fun we have more of a conversation that way um i think right. that they they did include i like the stuff we got with harriet i want to say it was in the, was that in episode nine or was it this week um in the church with her discussing like basically because she does end up in the civil war leading troops and like what kind of a leader is she going to be is she going to be a loner is she going to be an individual or is she going to so, like in the citizen soldier thing, is she going to be basically on her own or is she going to sign in with a larger group of people and lead a larger group of people um, and take the more that soldier, but like general role. Right. I, I think that worked to connect in thematically. I think if, and if, if Georgia had been more dynamic in her arc, then that could have tied in more fully and made it more of a season long and on multiple character kind of thing but she really was one side of the argument and then this this uh specter of brown was the other side of the argument and so like i don't know how successful that was 
But mostly, like you're saying, you're wanting more time with Rosalie and more time with Noah. I was surprised by how sidelined they felt all season, certainly by the end. I, I think as a whole, season one wound up for me much more successful in its trajectory and in its in its energy, especially ramping up towards the finale than season two. How do you feel about that? What do you think? No, no, you're totally correct. Like I, uh, when Soldier finished, it felt very much more like a uh, like season three one A sort of episode for me, um, which isn't something I don't like in finales. Um, I, I like conclusion, and this felt very aggressively from where Ernestine's left, <laughs> which yeah, is, we got to talk about that uh, too. Yeah, we got to talk about that too. Um, but it's just a lot of like lingering things. And then to do a 10 month time skip, I just went, Oh, type of thing. <laughs> but yes, no, no one Rosalie, even though like Rosalie gets like a, basically like an episode, um, <laughs> uh, gets ache. She gets half of ache and Ernestine gets the other half. And I think ache may along with Minty be like their two most successful episodes of the season um is that they ended up like you said just feeling so aggressively sidelined and noah especially just like gets like drifts in and out of like settings of like by the way here's kato <laughs> and mm -hmm. um and we can discuss kato as well since he ends up having oddly more to do than either of them <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but do we so Bye, Woody. Okay, we'll we'll get to yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get we to can, Kato. Okay, let's, let's yeah, stay on Noah though for a little yeah. bit longer. Right. So it's just like and so like his confrontation with Rosalie about the pregnancy just for me comes aggressively too late because because of how like disconnected they were for so much of the season, and then because of the whole well we've got to save uh, my brother we've got to then get back from saving my brother. And then we're just going to very quickly, within a scene, deal with the fact of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I kind of go, but I'm not going to, I don't have any time to live within this fallout because it's the end of the season and potentially also the end of the show since WGN's just like, we're going to get out of scripted programming probably. Uh, don't worry about it, anyone. But I, I kind of worry about it because there's no like emotional resolution or catharsis to this as opposed to yeah this is something that happened and i just went oh no and then to have her be kidnapped um <laughs> at the end of the season and the degree to which she is still kidnapped when the show theoretically picks up 10 months later um provided that they don't do flashbacks and they probably would but it's just like I, I I didn't get any I didn't get any satisfaction from any of this from their from their reunion to a potential break within them and this idea of their cabin that they were going to have and all this really stuff that I was really excited about and none of that comes together in any way and I just went oh this is really upsetting for me it's really really upsetting for me and so that's kind of where I was left with them is I was just really upset mm -hmm. yeah and like there's 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 a lot of really great stuff in this season and certainly some really standout episodes and some incredibly powerful performances. I think everybody, the the actors and, and the writing of individual scenes has on the whole been, I think really strong all season, but it's, it's lacking the, the singularity of purpose and the, the through line 
for the the action of the season that we had in season one. It, it, it it's frustrating because it should be better. I think we both agree. Yes. It, sh- it should have been better than this. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about. Um, let's talk Bokeem Woodbine, and 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 that that part. Did that part of the finale work for you? Um, how did you like that sort of, I guess, set piece or, you know, that escalation of Elizabeth and the decision we that, that, that forces Noah to make? And as well as, like, then was that worth the stuff we got with, with that character all season? Uh, it's kind of weird insofar as I almost wish Woodbine hadn't become a catalyst for the finale mm-hmm. and i almost i would have liked that to just have been a separate frame story that we got throughout the season but was just a, another view of what was happening mm-hmm. uh since we're off plantations um and we're more in well we're not off plantations entirely because of ernestine but we're off a plantation that is a little more connected to what's happening with the brown stuff insofar as this is something that's building up but i i didn't need it to like hook up to the um quote unquote a-listers the series mm-hmm. regular type folks um as much as i enjoy woodbine as a performer because he's phenomenal and he's really good in this um like that scene in the leather shop alone mm-hmm. just is great for him um but yeah, I just I didn't need it to I didn't need it to come to anything like this, and I didn't need it to drive home Elizabeth's radicalization because I I got that without this, and I didn't need it to be mm-hmm. so heavily dramatized, I guess. Um, but yeah, so it, it, I liked it, but I didn't need it to hook up to anything else really, which I think is kind of a weird thing to say about this, but. I, I didn't need it to hook up to anything. Um, so how did you feel about it then? I like the structure and what it gave the the last episode. I feel like it could have been done better over the course of the season. It could have been like more, either we saw more of it. Mm-hmm. As opposed or, to just like cold opens. Yeah. Well, just like, like every few episodes, you know, so either we got to know those characters and care about those characters more or, or like, like for example, have that be where Ernestine is, you know, um, somehow have her end up there. And so then you're spent when you're spending time with Ernestine, you're also spending time with these characters as well. Um, and would that be tidy and convenient? Yes, but it would have saved them a lot of time and let us spend way more time um, getting to know and care about different characters in the same, you know, instead of splitting the focus quite so much. Um and so, and then I would say, then in the end, you can have the assault on George's house and the plantation thing. But I think that those two and the the birth all at the same time was a bit much. You yeah, know? yeah. So like either like I think two of the three, any of any two of the three would have been fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two of the three would have been better. Um, but like like you, the performance from Woodbine I think was terrific, and I loved when he. When it worked, when he showed up at Georgia's, yeah, and he was able. I I love that the like that this is something that the show is willing to have be that he's smart enough and canny enough to read the conversation with the the leather worker 
in the right way. And it's like, yeah, he could have just been found out and, you know, punished. But it also, but he managed to make it work. I, I really like that. And the underestimation of that character that, you know, that his, his master um, had, uh, and, and any that other people would have for that character is subverted. I really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, I feel like there was just, it's a pacing issue over the course of the season. Um, and another part of that is let's talk about Cato. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't buy the stuff for Cato. Like, I feel like that's one of the more mishandled parts of the season. I'm curious what you think about it. I think the performance has been really good, but you want me to buy that he left and went to England with like all of the money that has ever been money and then came and, and had established a, a significant meaningful relationship there and then came back to Philly and then got taken out um, by Patty Kane's gang um, and then concocted this long-term revenge where he's gonna now be a slave catcher like how does that make like we saw him free those other slaves that he that he showed to noah he says sell yourself into slavery or i'm gonna send these however many it was back into slavery and then but he didn't he freed them and we've seen him explore his relationship with with ownership and slavery and all and, and and that those as concepts over the course of the season and the notion that he is not defined by that but he is just himself i think that's a really great one but i don't think it fits with what we've already seen and i think the show was just wanting to get to where they ended the season so much that they didn't care how it tracked with his experiences and what we had seen so far um, am i just being too do i just want to think too too well of of kato Noel, am I giving him too much credit? No, I don't think you're giving Cato too much credit. I, 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 I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. Um, mm -hmm. In so far as like it, it doesn't make sense really for where he and he is. Like again, like he's th the idea that Cato is Cato basically is what we come down to, and he's going to do what is necessary to survive, which is fine. And I like that concept, but how he was surviving and thriving in Philadelphia is drastically different from this idea that I'm going to catch slaves. And the, the, I wonder how much of it was, I'm going to catch slaves so I can free them, but that doesn't seem like what was in store there really, mm -hmm. I think. And I, yeah, it's just, I, I, I like the scheme behind it all, but I don't like the fact that it was a scheme in the first place because it's not, well, I'm going to do this if only so I can kill Patty Cannon and then get Debbie, which yeah. doesn't seem to factor into this conversation at all. No. Um, and so and like return to his mansion in right. Philly. Yeah. His, his plush connections with still and uh, Douglas, no, mm -hmm. not factoring into anything here. Um, so yeah, it's just, it feels, it feels very weird and it, it, I don't know what the end game was for this. And that I think is the most frustrating thing about that whole storyline is that I don't know what he's looking to achieve by doing this. And it's, and, 
You'd think yeah. he would appreciate it's too untenable a position. Yes, it's easier to hide that way. Yeah. He doesn't have to hide. Correct. And he's too smart to choose other than that, unless they want to argue that he likes the power. And so he doesn't care about the risk to himself of being, again, turned back into slave, you know, like into the 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 operation, the mechanics of slavery, and ending up a slave again. Like, uh, they, I don't think they, I think that's part of what they were going for, but I don't think they made me believe it at all. I think they just yeah. know that that character works really well as an antagonist. Yeah. And he's going to be a great season three villain. Um, and so that's where they wanted to end up. Right. And I, I think that's probably true. Um, because like it, the recklessness of his actions, like, especially like, uh, tempted in uh, Whiteface, mm-hmm. um, hint at this, like guy who like literally wants to burn everything down, but then he, yeah, how do you do that as the person behind Patty, a Patty cannon? And what do you, how, how are you hoping to achieve that? And if that's not something that you want to achieve anymore, what exactly are you hoping to achieve with this? And it's, it's not at all clear what he's hoping to achieve with this beyond a degree of power. And I don't, I, I within the frame of the world, I suspect that Canon has some type of power, but again, like historical re uh, reconstruction that they're doing here since I don't think that's how Patty Cannon died. <laughs> um, uh, is, yeah. I, I don't know what they're hoping to achieve with this as a show and what Cato specifically wants to achieve, but I think you're correct. in so far as they want Cato as an antagonist and I, that's it. And I think I, they also wanted to have the discussion of, of the the predatory black character, sure, you know, like some of the, like the Samuel L. Jackson character in um, in Django uh, Unchained, um, uh, or it's just Django. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I, I think that's part of it. That you know the the line that they give him, you know, I'm just I'm Cato. Um, I think speaks to that, and I think that's an important conversation to have around identity and around slavery and around the system of oppression. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know that they, I don't think it fits with all of the different stuff they've done surrounding Cato in, in the past. And again, maybe it's, this is just, I want everybody to be nice and fluffy and a hero, you know, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just, it's a little, it just doesn't feel as organic um, and similarly, I don't buy Chris Maloney's turn to the good side ish sort of we're Maybe. supposed to think. Yeah, I think that whole that whole part of the season also like the stuff with Ernestine was so terrific, so powerful, so well done. And then we get this really scattered second half yeah. of the season with her in August. Like August did not need to come back. August shouldn't have come back. I, I don't know what else to say to that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it, it's just the problem with it is, is um, no, it becomes really scattered and it becomes like, it becomes really aimless is the biggest problem. Um, even more so, I know scattered and aimless kind of imply the same thing, but the, the it's 
all, all over the place in terms of what's happening, but it's aimless insofar as I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> I don't I don't know what we're getting from August about this. Um and I don't know why I'm supposed to necessarily care too much since August and has been very very background even when he was like present in scenes. It's just like the power dynamics of where August is are just non-existent. So I don't know what he's what he was hoping to achieve redemption-wise and like uh, getting Ernestine and Rosalie um, um, and I don't know like how this ends up with like them being drugged out of their minds and ending up at the Macon plantation mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah it just I don't know why any of this happened beyond we needed to get her we need to get Ernestine off that plantation and like moving around again but she could have also done that on her own, and I didn't necessarily need August around for any of that to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's we've we've been saying all these negative things or all these frustrated things. I think that speaks to how much we do respect and appreciate the show, and how much we we wanted different parts of it to connect in in the last handful of episodes, and they didn't quite achieve that. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we liked and some of the things that worked well. So, Noel, what are, what has been what have been some of the highlights of the the back half of the season for you? Oh, back half, darn it! Um, <laughs> well, Minty Minty counts as the back half, um, mm-hmm. which I, I think we can both agree is, and you you alluded to this is just like one of the stronger episodes of television in a while, just on a number of levels, um, even aesthetically speaking. And anyone who sat through me talking about the purpose of the camera in that last bit. And uh, I apologize. Yeah, no, but it's so good. But yeah. I also apologize for how long that went because it was a very long discussion about how, what that camera movement meant. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the rest of it, I, I just, I, I don't know how much of it I really liked. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in the back half, I mean, I like some of like the kind of nonlinear storytelling that we get in Citizen. Um, and I liked how that played out because I ended up, uh, funny story is that I ended up watching like 10 minutes of soldier and then realized, oh, I never got back to citizen because I attempted to watch it. But then I realized they were doing something really jumpy with the editing and storytelling. And I, I don't have the attention span for that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to go back and watch citizen and then soldier like back to back. Uh, but no, I like, I liked some of the, like the narrative stuff that they did in structurally that they did in um, citizen. I thought that worked really well. Um, and I liked Rosalie's confrontation with, um, institutionalism basically, uh, with her, um, younger brother or much younger brother. Yeah. James, James, thank you. And how her responses to that and how she can't kind of reconcile, responses to that uh especially with everything that she's seen since she left Mm -hmm. and um how she's moved beyond being the house girl and so i liked those aspects of it but like everything else with rosalie and noah and everything it just it it didn't hit as quickly and it didn't hit as quickly it didn't hit as deeply as i wanted it to especially when james is sort of 
okay with everything by the end, but we get it through snippets of their long journey back. Mm. And we're trying to say nice things right now. So I wanted to work better, but I, I like Rosalie's confrontation with that and how that played out. And Noah's just like, no, this is, this is not something we should be concerned with right now. <laughs> and so I like Noah's kind of a voice of reason insofar as he's just like, um, no, we're okay. <laughs> we should be focused on other things right now. And I liked those aspects of it, but I can't think of anything else that really stood out as particularly strong within this second half, just because of how rushed it ended up seeming. So were there good things for you in this second half that you can really point to as things that worked really, really well for you? Well, on just a basic level, first mm -hmm. of all, every scene with Harriet Tubman was awesome. Right. Um, that but that was true in the first half of the that season. Was, yeah, that's not something different, but that, that continued. So when other stuff started not working as well, that held true. And that performance and that conception and that execution of that character um, really was so consistent and so thoughtful and, and really um, well handled all the way uh, to the end of the season. That was something I appreciated. Even just having her not there for the last episode uh, when, when everything goes down, I think was a really good move. Um, and I like that we, like I said earlier, I like that we went to her in that church um, when we didn't really have a reason to. Um, but they wanted that, that emotional beat. They wanted that questioning. They wanted these other, you know, how that would counteract some of the other discussions that that episode was having. So they wanted to, to show that, that internal conversation. And, um, I thought that was, that was really great. Um, I liked, I mean, it's very simple, but I liked the shootout at Georgia's and, and getting to see everybody kick some ass even if a bunch of them got shot too. But I like I liked that, you know, we introduced Georgia with the ladies cleaning their guns and that by the end of the season we get to see them using them. I appreciate that, the symmetry of that. And um, you know, the the sense of Georgia as someone who is not going to invite trouble, but who is gonna shoot anyone who's coming for her and for her house. She she's like, Oh no, I'm not running. No, I'd no, I'm going to kill them all. They'll probably kill me too, but I'm going to kill them. Um, I thought that was an interesting uh, line in the sand for that character. And, and something that I bought has been wonderful to spend this time with Jessica Nicole, who, why isn't she in more things, everyone? She was wonderful on Fringe. She's wonderful here. Put Jessica Nicole in more stuff. Um, so that's another thing that I enjoyed about the, the last episode. I liked that the... You know, these this is a lot of smaller things, but uh, like just like one scene kind of things. I liked that Rosalie giving birth. Uh, there aren't complications. I like that it well, happens. There's a quickly. shootout happening. That, yeah, I feel but, like that's a complication. But it's but not I've, like a oh right. no, her water broke, and then oh no, it's a twelve hour labor. Some people give birth in the mat in a matter of like minutes, and yeah. I like that. That is much more what happens here because anything else would not be believable um for the baby surviving and certainly for her surviving um so I, I liked that aspect of it um and it's a different way to see her be a badass um to handle all the stuff and still boil the water and the the the, the bandages and, and all of that stuff 
Um, so, you know, even just ending the season, it's a bit more cliffhanger than I would like. I, I think if, if WGN hadn't been bought out, they probably would have been renewed is the sense I got from the way that WGN was handling, like, I think they liked the praise they were getting for it. Um, so I think it, maybe they're a little too overconfident they were going to get a season three. <laughs> but um, still that sense of after everything comes together at the end, they don't, Rosalie gets the James and the baby, but Rosalie's not there. So they don't get a completely happy ending, um, even if she's not dead. Um, theoretically, because she's a main character. Um, and all those other things have gone wrong. There is, I think the balance of that works well in the end here. Um, but yeah, I, the trouble is the first half of the season was very much built on a lot of, uh, for, for Rosalie and some of these other characters, a lot of process of like, here's how the Underground Railroad works. Here's, you know, Rosalie spending an episode being a badass and dealing with all this crap of how do you escape how do you get all these different things and also dealing with the emotional fallout of everything from the first season and then the second half was just so much more interested in plot that that it really it's hard to find many things that really speak to the power of the first half of the season or of the second of the of the, the end of the first season um, but that's, those are some of the things that came to mind. And I'm going to drink some water now because I've been talking too long. And I'll let you take it from here. No. And, um, one of the things I'll say is that I, I like your choices. Um, and, uh, I just, I, 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 I think I ended up losing like the, the forest for the trees and that I, or really I ended up losing the trees for the forest. Cause I kept like seeing the larger scale issues and impulses and then not being satisfied by what the show was doing. Um, so I like your choices, but I'm also just like, but they, uh, but uh, all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's, you're right. That's the case. And I'm just being a, I'm just being a Debbie downer. And also while you were talking and I was nodding along, I was also like looking at the ratings for the show across like both seasons and Kate, they're terrible. Well, they were terrible, but here's the thing is, well, I mean, they were okay for like WGN. Yeah. Um, but Minty was the lowest rated episode of the entire show. That is crazy. T- well, they did, did they really push it? I don't know, but it drew, well, here's the thing is like the show was drawing like consistently like in the mid forties to the fifties. Uh-huh. That episode drew a point thirty seven nine. Yeah. And I just kind of went, that's, I, I, I want to know what happened that day that no one was watching television. Huh. That's weird. But, but yeah, because it like picks right back up to a 0. 0.5 on 28. So it's yeah. just like, uh, I don't know what happened there that no, maybe WGN just didn't work in literally every market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, because I know they did re-air it later that week. But okay. um, yeah, you'd think that it would have more you know buzz and and everything because they aired it twice but though that rating of course would just refer to the first viewing but still our yeah. first air date but yeah ha huh. well hopefully some people are gonna eventually at some point catch up with it hopefully emmy viewers will you know catch up with it with minty if nothing else um and as much as we've had 
you know, we've been, like you said, some Debbie Downers on season two, a little, and certainly the second half of season two here. Um, I do think we should end by saying how much we do appreciate the show. And I, and I, it boggles my mind how few people were watching it because it's not like people were watching it and then they started faded away from watching it as the, you know, some of the overall structural stuff started not clicking together at the end of the season. I don't know anybody who watches it. Danette uh, Chavez over at the um, AV Club reviews Underground. But, like, the finale review, no, the last time I checked, it had nine comments. Nine. That's nine. Like, I know literally one other person who watches this show. Apart from you. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 a good show. It does so yeah. much so well. It's such a fascinating topic with such a terrific cast. Why? Yeah, I don't I, I just assume that it's the WGN of it all. Um yeah. but but I also like I know more people were watching Manhattan than were watching this. Yep. And don't get me wrong, I love Manhattan, and I'm still sad that Manhattan did not get a season three, because that season three was going to be amazing. Um, but is I knew more people were watching Manhattan than were watching Underground, and we're like talking about Manhattan than we're talking about Underground. And I just, yeah, I, I don't know what to say to anything as to explain why that is, um, apart from, yeah. I don't I don't I don't have a reason and it's really frustrating. Yeah, it, it's it's very frustrating. And when you have discussions around what is prestige TV and people immediately discount something like underground it feels like because of, you know, the topic and who's in the cast cuz they considered Manhattan prestige TV when it was on. That was like in the conversation. It was like second tier but it was in the conversation of like these bu- buzzed about but not highly watched shows. Right. One of those best shows you're not watching type of thing. And Underground has not been treated that way in the critical community and in the discussion around television at large. Like at all. A little bit in season one, but really not at all in season two. And it's been sort of like, oh, it's that's a thing that's on niche audience. Basically, it feels like it's a black show. And so we don't think of it as a prestige TV show. And this is a period piece, but it's a historical drama. Like it has a terrific cast and especially it start like the end of last, the first season, the beginning of the second season with some really great TV. <clears throat> it's hard to think of a legitimate or good reason that it wasn't more viewed in the certain, in the critical community and more involved in conversations around niche prestige TV. Yeah, and I mean, when you're drawing, like, a 0. 0.5. Um, but also when you're, like, being super relevant socially. Yeah. Um, in a way that something really shitty like Mr. Robot <laughs> cannot achieve. Yeah. Um, or it doesn't really aspire to achieve either, to be fair to Mr. Robot, um, which is the only time I will ever be fair to Mr. Robot. <laughs> um, th- that this is something that is was, like I said, was talked in generalities um about what was happening then to say specific things about now and like the the minty is a really good example of that but like ernestine talking to um august in soldier uh right before like they get right before she attempts to escape the first time 
<laughs> or by the tree, basically. By the tree, yeah. Right, where he's got the pistol, um, the revolver leveled at his forehead. Um, that whole discussion is, again, something very relevant to what's happening now socially. And I, I just wonder, again, like if it's the revisionism of it, if it's the blackness of it, if it's the WGNS of it, is that we, they just couldn't find it and they couldn't find room for it. Or the the, the idea of uh, the the peak TV-ness of it all, being like, well, this the first season was really good and interesting and we liked this aspect of it, but there's other things happening right now on television that we're just kind of more interested in. And the only thing I take solace in is that I feel like no one's discussing Fargo this season, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take solace in that <laughs> and... That yeah. the the really super uh, white show is also not being discussed. <laughs> That's true. People are falling over themselves, including us, to talk about how rele- relevant The Handmaid's Tale is and how powerful yeah. it is as a political statement about what is going on right now. Underground, that that is also very true of Underground in a right. very different way. Um, and obviously... We found time to talk about both of them. It would be nice if anybody, it felt like anybody had taken time to talk about that with Underground outside of the handful of things that popped up around Minty. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, and, let us know what you think, listeners. Yeah. And I mean, we, we stopped discussing Underground for at least two weeks, but yeah. a lot of that was a time compression for us in terms of recording schedules, but also there just wasn't a whole lot happening. Yeah. <laughs> In, a, in like some of the episodes because they needed to get everyone in place for this finale. Yeah, it was um, a lot of... We stopped talking about it when it week to week when it no longer felt like we needed to talk about it week to week. Yeah. Um, but when it did, when it felt more relevant, when there was more... the You know, when it was up among some of the favorite things we were watching on TV at the time, we were talking about it every week. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well. But again, we don't have to worry about MeUndies. So. We don't. We don't have to worry about MeUndies. And that's why we can go nice and long like we have this week on the podcast um but we should wrap it up here uh noel thank you so much as always of course. uh uh it, listeners noel's been bearing with me as there's been some pauses in our recording this week as i cough there have been out. very brief pauses everyone like kate's been a trooper yeah. but she's gonna go die now i'm gonna, I'm gonna go <laughs> die now it's like you were the last couple weeks when you were sick too yeah um, i'm going to die now <laughs> Um, a few show notes here before I die. Uh, if you just at the end of the episode, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us comments and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email theteleverse at gmail.com, reach out that way. You can find us on Facebook, like the page and start up a conversation there. You can find us with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed in iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher. Um, we appreciate ratings and reviews either place. It helps other people find the show. Let's know, you know what you think about it. Um, and of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Noel, you are at Noel RK, and you can find me writing for the last two weeks about the Flash over at TVGuide.com, and you can find me writing about Veep over at uh, theAVClub.com. Um, thank you once again, Noel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, next week, no more sickness. <laughs> we'll both hopefully, be healthy. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, it would be wonderful. But either way, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. 